0: Tapo bihikrishna Shantanam
1: vitaraginam. Atma
0: verse thirty-seven. vivikta desha atinah vivikta
1: desha. atinah virago
0: vijitendriyah vivikta
1: desa atinah
0: bhavaye dekam atmanam tamanan tamanan Atmanye vakhilam drishyam.
1: Atmanye
0: vakhilam भावये, देकमात्मानं। भावये देकमात्मानं। Rupa Varnadikam Sarvam. Rupa
1: Varnadikam Sarvam.
0: Vihaya Paramarthavite.
1: Vihaya Paramarthavite.
0: Paripur Natchidananda. Paripur Natchidananda. varanādhikam sarvam vihāya paramāsavit, the knower of the knower of Paramatha, the knower of the truth, reality, which is there in and through this rūpa varana, the names and forms and functions, sarvam vihāya, knowing that it's one reality alone, one self alone, on which all these names, forms, functions, everything is superimposed. Knowing this fact, seeing this fact, knowing in short that there is something called the name and form etc. There is what we call a Vyavahariksatra or an objective reality but that it is relative in nature <coughs> and so Vihaya, giving it up meaning recognizing that as mithya, recognizing them as a relative, recognizing that as a standpoint. But names and forms are a standpoint depending upon how we look at Brahman. All we are looking at or all we know or perceive is one Brahman alone. That's all. All I am doing is I am looking at myself really. But it's a way I look at it. That's what changes what I am looking at. And thank God scientists are coming to recognize this. That what you look at is very much determined by the way we look at. As I must have said earlier, at one point in time the scientists wonder. I said there is a particle there which is supposed to be moving there at a given speed and supposedly having a certain momentum. Is it a particle there? Then they said there is some kind of field which is changing and creating the appearance of rotation. <coughs> is such a thing there and therefore do I see, or is it because I see And therefore it is there, because when I look at something, I already have a certain concept of what I am looking at. And so I think that I am investigating a particle, We start with a hypothesis. In any investigation, that here is a particle, that means that already there is an idea in my mind that what I am looking at is particle. And so whatever I look at, my mind will tend to interpret in that manner. Only someday a breakthrough comes. What is meant by a breakthrough? The whole concept of what I thought I am looking at itself is broken through, then I realize there is no particle there. And so similarly also this this duality and these names and forms and everything is a way we look at the things. We have the samskaras of duality from the beginningless time. And therefore I I have taken for granted that I am looking at a world that is different from me that I am the one who is an individual, confined to a given body, confined to a given name, form, function, and looking at something other than me. This this samskara of the duality is already ingrained, and therefore whatever I look at, I perceive that way. And Vedanta breaks through that itself. Just don't say that you are looking at duality and then you are trying to find the non-dual. It's not going to work that way. Because, in the, you see, this is the problem with everybody. And whenever people want to experience the non-dual, it's always a thing, as the next verse itself will tell us. Now How can there be non-dual when duality is a matter of experience? Who says duality is a matter of experience? So, if you take for granted that duality is what is experience, and then we are trying to do something with duality to arrive at the non-dual, which is an impossible task. Who says there is duality? Where is it? And so that is where you start. That's why the teacher always starts. What there was before this whole duality was created was one without a second, such existence, truth, Brahman. (coughs) From that point of view, if you want to say, now look at the duality. Not that from the duality you try to arrive at the non duality, because that's not going to work. But from the non-dual try to understand what duality is, then alone you will be able to see the mithyatvam, the duality. And this is the idea of Rupa Varanadikam Sarvam Vihaya. Giving up the names and forms, meaning recognizing that it is a superimposition or appearance of one non-dual alone. <coughs> and therefore, whatever it is then, is that one alone. Paripurna Chidananda Swarupena Avatishthade. Then the Vidwana abides because All there is, is that swarupam, my own nature, myself, that alone is. And that is paripurna, is complete in every respect, full in every respect, because there is nothing, there is nothing that is excluded. Purnam is that which does not exclude anything. All there is, is I alone. Even when there is a perception of names and forms, there also is perception of I alone. I perceive myself, but that, you know, if you want to say that, I perceive myself. And this is all my vistara. So, whatever the whole creation is, is nothing but my. As Lord says, this is all bhuthaivistaro maya. Is all my vistara, or this whole uh, spread of my Vihuti, my glory. And this is how a wise man looks at the world, of creation. Is all my glory. The Himalayas, or the Ganges, or Mount whatever it is you know the Grand Canyon, anything. All of this is my glory, because all there is, is I alone. And what a wonder, that one appears as many. What a wonder that is. That is glory. Otherwise very frustrating. To arrive at the one from the many is very frustrating. But to see the many with reference to one is fantastic, you know. To say that this is all my glory, what a wonder it is, that one appears as many. (coughs) That's glory. The one who is non-doer appears as doer. That's the glory. The non-enjoyer appears as enjoyer, glory. The one who is free from any kind of pleasure and pain appears to be suffering and and enjoying. It's a glory. And so this is all glory of I. This is how the wise man knows. Paripoona chidānanda swarupena avatishtara. He abides in himself. Which is paripoona chidānanda swarupena. That's ānanda swarupena. Everything is ānanda for him. Everything only creates joy in him because all he sees is, just the glory, all it is, is the greatness. Now, what is, what is this maya, you know, what it can all do, and what glory I have? Aham rukṣasya re reva, kīrtif prashthaṁ gire it says. I am the re I am the very, uh, you know, the, the inspirer of the entire tree of samsara. Kirti prustham gire my kīrtif, my glory is like on the gire re prashthaṁ, like the shikara, or the, like the, uh, the, the uh, tip of a mountain, you know. So that is how my glory is. <coughs> and that is how ānanda... ānanda is not only when he is with himself that there is ānanda, but he is always with himself, and therefore there is nothing that can deny the ānanda. Only thing that can deny the ānanda is the sense of otherness, that there is something other than me, and that threatens me, that creates fear. All that creates a sense of limitation immediately. There is no sense of limitation at all, meaning that a name and form, the presence of names and forms, does not create a sense of division or limitation in the wise man, and therefore ānanda is ānanta. Ānanta is limitless, so there is no ānta, there is no division at all. And therefore, that non-indivisible or non-dual self in which he abides, avatishthare. <coughs> and so the question is, no, no, Going to the verse 40. Pramatratwadi triputī jñānam vartamānam upalabhyate. This question, tripudi jñānam vartamānam upalabhyate, upalabhyate is perceived. Vartamānam existing, triputī jñānam, the knowledge of the triputī or the threefold factors, Pramatratwadi feeding from, pramatru means pramata prahmāta means no word. Prameya is that which is known. Pramanam, the means of knowledge. Prama, the knowledge. So, Pramata, where ma means to measure or know. You see, ma means to measure. And measure also means know, because when you measure a glass, you know that that's the way. When you know something, you are in fact measuring it. In the sense that you are you are measuring its boundaries, its, its nature, its... and therefore, ma means to measure, or ma also means to know. And so, to that you add the trish-pratyah, becomes matru, trish means the agent, so matru or mata means nuvar. They always add a, a prefix pra, just to make it, you know, to, uh, uh, just to add some beauty in that, that's all. So, pramata and mata are the same. So, pramatra means the knower. Then ma means mayam, that which is known is called mayam, so prameya is that which is known. And then, ma means mati, the knowledge. Brahma means knowledge. So this, in all our transactions, this tripudi, this threefold factor is always there. The knower, the known, the knowledge, or the knowing. The seer, the seen, the seeing. The hearer, hearing, hear, hear heard, and so on and so forth. So dvartamanam upalabhyade, the question is, that this is what we experience all the time, that there is this, all of the transactions of our existence. Our existence seems to be characterized by this threefold factors. I do not know of any existence other than this, and that is the reality. kasa <coughs> vekat when this triputi, this threefold factors meaning the duality, so when we say duality, it only means multiplicity, you know. Duality only means two, means subject and object. A moment, subject and object are there. There is a transaction between subject and object, which is what we call experience, and so there is an experiencer, experienced, experiencing, then comes a means of experience, then comes a result of experience, and so on and so forth. All of that is what we call the samsara, the life. So when does this, this duality, all these three factors are constantly experienced by me, katham bhavana, how is it possible there can be bhavana? For the vision of Ekattva, of the non-dual, of one, it is true, there is bheda or the division at, at some point, in, I mean at, at some level, there is a bheda or division. But Paramatmani, in the ultimate sense, there is no division at all. Just as you see many waves, all right, there is a division that one wave is different from another wave. but Paramatmani that which is the truth of the wave, meaning the water, there's no division at all. <coughs> that's the idea. And so that's the idea conveyed in the verse forty here. Paratmanina <coughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> vidya chidānanda ikaru patvāta, dītyate svamevatata, dītyate
1: svamevatata.
0: jnana jñe bhedah, paramātmani parātmani navidyate. This bhedah, this duality or division which we commonly experience, namely the knower, the known, and the knowledge, These threefold factors, paramātmani, navidyade, that does not really exist, paramātmani, in the paramātma, in the self that is paramam or limitless. So in the limitless self, in the true self that I am, there is no such division as the knower, the known, or the knowledge. (coughs) Why is it so? Chidanandekarupatwār. On account of the fact that, what is my true nature? Chidanandaika rūpoham. I have the nature of Chidanandaika That I am ekarupaha. In fact, I am one alone. This three, even though there isn't, the three is something that we seem to experience. In fact, the truth of all the three is one alone. And what is it? Ananda. Ananda means ananta. Ananda means limitless. It looks as though the knower is one here, the known is out there, so knower is here inside, the known is out there, and the transaction between them is what we call the process of knowing. But in fact, the truth of all the three is one alone. Even though there appears to be a division, appears to be an experience of the separation or the otherness, in fact the truth of these three is one alone, and that, therefore, ananda. Uh, that knowledge, the known object and the knower subject really are not different from each other, and therefore the object does not limit the subject. If the object is something that stood completely apart from me, so we have taken for granted that what I perceive is different from me. That is just, again, it's a samskara, it is the, it's an idea that is already planted in our mind that what I perceive is different from I, the perceiver. But then, when I come to see what is the nature of this I or what is the boundary, where do I this I stop, where, how far the I goes and how far this or the object begins, in order to establish the division between the subject and the object, we have to determine what is the limitation of subject, how far the subject of the I goes and where does this so-called object begin, you know. Because to say that the table is different from the book, we know that the table extends up to this point, and book starts from that point beyond, therefore where the book is, then the table is not, and where the table is, the book is not, and therefore we say that the table is different from book. Fine. So similarly also when we say that there is a subject and an object, can we really say that where the subject is, the object is not, and where the object is, the subject is not? If you can say that, then it's fine. Then I should be able to establish what is the dividing line between the object and the subject. How far does the subject go? So I think that the subject or I, is the boundary is what? Up to the, up to this body, up to the tip of my nose, or the skin on this body, is a line which confines me, and I think that the subject or the I is confined or limited to the boundaries of the body. And that what is outside the body is what I call the object, or this ob- that is something known to me, different from me. And and therefore we say that there is a pramata, a knower, who is confined to the body, there is a known object that is outside the body or outside I. Any transaction that takes place between the two is what we call the process of knowing. Then when we examine, is this true that this body is really I, and thus when we proceed with that examination, and very simple, one simple rule that we observe, that whatever is known to me has to be different from me, or the knower has to be different from the known, then the question is, is this body something that is known to me or not? And we realize that the body is as much an object of knowledge as the stable is, and therefore if I want to classify this stable in the category of known, then the body also should be classified in the category of known, and body is not the knower. In fact, body is inert. Knower always is a conscious being. This body is an inert thing, and therefore, inert can never know. Knowledge must always be located or centered upon a conscious being. Body is not a conscious entity. It is, in fact, an inert entity, and not only that, it is also an object of my knowledge, and therefore different from me, and therefore the body cannot be the knower. The knower is different from body, and similarly the sense organs cannot be the knower. The mind, meaning the flow of thoughts, also cannot be the because they are also objects known to me. Then, what is the nature of this knower? Anything that is known to me, if I cannot be, then what is my nature? Well, I cannot determine that, meaning I cannot, in fact, objectify myself. So any limit or boundary that I try to objectify automatically is established as different from me. And so it amounts that this I or the or the subject really, doesn't have any boundary at all. Because the moment you try to set a given boundary, you find that that boundary also becomes something known to me. In this we realize that I, just plain and simple I, doesn't have any boundary at all. It doesn't have any form at all. It doesn't have any characteristic. All characteristics and attributes are also all objects of my knowledge, and therefore I is automatically devoid of all the attributes, all the characteristics, all the forms, all the boundaries, and therefore Anantoham, I am the one who is limitless. In that case nothing can limit me. In that case I am everywhere inasmuch as everything is in me. And so if I am the plain and simple awareness, then I find that all the objects known to me are in awareness. I am awareness and anything that is known to me also is an awareness and so what is known, the object of knowledge cannot stand apart from awareness and therefore there is no separation between awareness and object, just as there is no separation between space and any object located in space and so also there can be no separation between awareness and any object which is in awareness. And therefore nothing is separate from I. So that, that division between the knower and the known, that division occurs only because upon that knower a certain boundary in terms of the body, etc., is superimposed. So upon the I, I habitually superimpose a boundary, that I am of the form of the body, or I am characterized by, characterized in such a manner, I am such and such, and when that is superimposed, then alone comes the question of something being different from me. When I find that all the notions that I entertain about myself are, in fact, the superimpositions, then I realize that I doesn't have a form, (coughs) and therefore nothing stands apart from me, and therefore the division between the known and the known is no pure division at all. (coughs) So parātmane vijyade, in paratma. in the Atma, in the self, if I take the self to the body, or the mind, or the intellect, then of course there is a duality, all right. But in plain and simple I, which I am, the division doesn't have scope because I doesn't have any limitation at all, doesn't have any boundary at all. And so in I the awareness, everything stands. So in spite of the apparent duality, chidananda ika and so in spite of the apparent duality, chit means the simple, plain and simple awareness, which is ananda, which is self-fullness or limitlessness, because it is one. And on account of that, there is no division of the knower, the known, and the knowledge. Deep yate, svaimevataswa jñātara jñāna jñe bhedah, paramātmani navidyate bhedah, kalpita ātmani the division ava shines or appears, kalpita ātmani, in the ātma of the Self, that is imagined. So I... Self that is imagined by me, meaning a limited entity that I imagine myself to be, in that, of course, there is a division between I and things other than I. But that, that I am a limited self itself is something that is something that is superimposed. <coughs> it's in that I am limited is an imagination alone. is not a reality. And therefore, Paramahatma, in, the in the I that really I am, that division does not exist jnāna nandeka rūpatvāt, ātmā svāyameva dīpāt, and self shines by self, I shine. Why do I shine? I just shine. <coughs> because to shine is the nature of I. Chidananda nandeka since I am chit or awareness, dīpāt, svāyameva tat that one, that ātmā, so svāyameva dīpāt, shines by himself. I shine by myself because to shine. Is my nature, and therefore, just as there are divisions between the waves, one wave is different from another wave. And as long as the wave does not know the truth of itself, it may think that another wave is is threatening it or whatever. But when the wave comes to know that I am not just in a simple little name and form, but I am water, then realizes that the truth of one wave is also the truth of another wave. And therefore, even the division, imagine two waves, you know, being friend to each other. Why should we say they're fighting? So suppose two waves are going together, you know, for a long time, and talking to each other, and being very friends, and thinking that each one is different from the other. So that there is a bheda or the divide between one and the other, and there is a transaction between them. But that is not there for ātmani. In the true nature of the wave, which is water, that division is not there. So there is the birth and death of the wave, there is no birth and death of water. So water is, and similarly also, ātma is, I am, and I shine, svamiyotat, that I am, svamiyotat, svamiyotat, evam (coughs) viśuddhavastu jñānāt prapcaksha falamāha evam in this manner, Vishuddha-vastu-gyanat. there is knowledge of Vishuddha-vastu. So, there is today also the knowledge of I. I know myself. It's not that I do not know myself. I do know myself. Because self is shining. It shines by itself in that always known to me. I don't have to make an effort to know myself. I don't have to make an effort to be aware of myself. To be aware of something other than me, an effort must be made in as much as the appropriate means of knowledge must be brought into into service and then alone I can be aware of something other than me like I can be aware of a pot or a cloth or, or a chair only when my eyes are functioning or I can be aware of a sound only when my ears are functioning but for me to be aware of myself no such no such i mean effort is needed because I shine by myself <coughs> and this I know myself except that. I know myself as a limited being. I know myself as an impure thing, as a limited thing, vishuddha vastu. But when I realize that I am vishuddha vastu, that I am pure, without any blemish, without any limitation, without any attributes at all, pratyeksha And then, what is the pratyaksha phalam? What is the result of that knowledge? That is being said in the verse 41. <coughs> evo-maat-māraṇa-udhyāna
1: evo
0: maat mathane in this manner, ātmā Aranavu dhyānamasane satatam kṛte. Now, this is a metaphor that is perhaps known to you by now, and that's a metaphor of of uh, producing the fire. So, olden days, as you know, perhaps, that in order to uh, bring out fire, <coughs> they didn't have matchsticks and things like that, and also it is necessary that the fire must be pure, sacred. So when you perform a fire ritual, then how do you initiate the fire? So the quality of that fire will depend upon what is the source of the fire. So that's the reason why in India, I remember there is a so next Sunday, this coming Sunday, is a festival called Holi. And that day, particularly in the evening, there is to light up this, this fire, what do you call them, um, the, uh, where you collect all the firewood, you know, and arrange them, and the fire is lit. And they worship, this is then worship, you know, they do some puja, etc. Because that signifies something, it signifies knowledge, it's like fire of knowledge, a fire of devotion, in which all the evil is burned. The so holy is an occasion, which is, there is a, there is a uh, whole, uh, story there of one, that devotee Prallada, I told you, you, know, who was a great devotee of the Lord and who would not be affected by anything, whether uh, uh, he drowned in water or he's thrown from the mountain or when he's, he's placed in between the poisonous snakes, he was untouched, unaffected. And finally, in order to burn him to death, he was made to sit in the lap of this, this female demon, Holika, her name was. And she had a boon that she would never get burned by fire. And therefore, this prallara is made to sit in the lap of this woman. And they have, they set a whole fire in that, and it is lit. And if the blazing fire is there, and, and a wonder happens that this holika, this female demon gets burned to ashes, and this boy, the devotee of the Lord, he remains unscathed. And so that's the occasion that is being celebrated on this particular day. And everywhere they lit, they collect the firewood, lit the fire, and then do some kind of puja also. And that is a sacred fire. And in the house, that is the fire that is preserved. I remember that mother would go or ask us to bring a burn, you know, embers, some embers from that particular fire. And with that, the fire in the house, in the kitchen, will be will be initiated. And what they used to do is, just to retain that fire day in and day out, meaning that that uh, the, the the furnace was never completely extinguished, even at night also some ember would be preserved. embers would be preserved. On that they'll just spread the ash, so that in the morning also the embers are still there. And I remember that first thing they used to do before starting to cook, they take a little ghee and first offer there, you know, because it is Devata, it is God and to whom you offer this oblation. And then you start. So first ahuti, a first oblation is given to that fire, and then you start cooking. The idea is that if the fire also is sacred, then whatever you do with that fire also will be sacred. And so cooking is supposed to be something very sacred, because it is something that is offered to the God, to the God who is sitting there in the stomach and so forth, or it is offered first to Lord out there, and then you partake in it, so similarly also, when they used to perform that yaga, then what is the source of fire? The source of fire also must be a sacred source. And therefore, they would not use fire just from anywhere and anywhere, but then they would create the new fire there and then. And the method of of uh, of uh, bringing up or creating this fire was that you take the two pieces of wood with semi spherical carving on each one of them, and between the two pieces of wood, you have a cylindrical rod, you press these two pieces against each other and then with a rope churn that rod and because of friction, then the sparks are generated and with a cotton cloth or something, then you pick up that spark and there is a flame and so that becomes a fire with which you initiate the initiate the fire and the fire ritual. <coughs> and before doing that, of course, they do what they call samskara, the purification or sanctification of the wood. Even while cutting the wood, there are mantras that are chanted, you know. You don't cut wood just like that. And the mantra is chanted because there is, Oh branch, I am cutting you. Please bless me, you know, that is how. So there is an awareness that I am cutting this tree, I am cutting this branch, and so a mantra is chanted. And then the wood is brought. They make the blocks. And first of all, then you sprinkle some sacred water, or sanctified water on that, with some chanting of the mantras, etc., and thus these wooden blocks are also sanctified, and then you churn the fire. There also you chant some mantras, and therefore the fire that is generated in this process also is sacred fire, which becomes the source for doing that fire ritual. <clears throat> so this is metaphor that is, that is mentioned here, it is mentioned, uh, is a standard thing that is mentioned, like in. In Kevali Upanishad also you find that. (coughs) So that that wooden block is called arani. And there is a lower arani and an upper arani. And there is a rod between the two. And then you press these two aranis or the blocks and turn the rod. And that's how the fire is generated. So evam atma aranav. So there is a lower arani, lower block and the upper block. So it's arani, eva uttarāranihi, dhyānena tayoho Krate. <clears throat> so lower arani, or the lower block, is supposed to be the mind, or the jīva, or the limited soul. And the upper arani, or the upper block, is supposed to be omkara, or paramātma. So jīva, the limited individual, is the lower one, or my mind, and... The Lord or the, the Self or Pranavada, Omkara is supposed to be the upper block. If Omkar is the name of the same Paramatma. And there is a rod which is in between the two, and that's the rod of vichara. Vichara means the Shastra vichara. The inquiry that will be performed with the help of the scripture. So that is supposed to be the vichara, or Atmanatma viveka is supposed to be that rod. And then you churn, churn with the help of this, In this manner you perform an inquiry with the help of the scriptures and to see what is the relationship between the lower block and the upper block. The lower block is supposed to be I, the limited self, upper block is supposed to be the limitless. And what's the relationship between them when you try to investigate that with the help of that churning? Then you discover that that limited self, in fact, is not limited that limitation is a sense alone and that, in fact, I, the jiva, is limitless. (coughs) And this is how all the time Vedanta performs. It doesn't, it always starts only this way. Tattva that thou art, that you are limitless. And then shows how the sense of limitation is false. It is not that the sense of limitation is taken to be real, and then asking us to become limitless, but then, right away, we are told that limitless you are, and recognize that. Recognize that the sense of limitation is something that is imagined. <coughs> so, Atma Antakarana eva aranahi. The lower block is Antakarana, the mind, and it should be Pranavaha eva Uttara So, Pranavaha means the omkāra, which means Param Brahma becomes the upper block. Dhyānena tayoho matane sarvadākṛte. And what is the nature of churning? That dhyānam, constantly contemplating upon the true nature of myself and seeing that this jīva, the limited self, is in fact paramātmā, the limitless. This is the dhyānam, a constant contemplation. (coughs) Sarvadākṛte. And when you constantly do this churning, udita avagati jwala sarva ajnana indhanam dahed, satatam Krite, Of course this kind of meditation or contemplation is required to be done, satatam, for constantly. And by meditation we mean only shravanam. So listening to the scriptures, reflecting upon them, and then meditating upon what we have learnt. So owning up, trying to own up what we have learnt, that shravanam, mananam, and this is what is known as vichara. So Vedanta, vichara is these three, shravanam, mananam, jhyasana, because the subject matter of all the three is one alone, and that is jiva, brahma, ikyam, the identity between jiva and brahma, the limited and the limitless, the identity between them. That's all these scriptures all the time talk about. Only one thing, all the the Upanishads and all the Vedantic scriptures are only centered on one theme, and that is to reveal the identity between jiva and brahma. And therefore, vichāra is śrāvanam, shastra śrāvanam, listening to the scriptures, reflecting upon what I have understood, and then trying to imbibe that, assimilate that, own up what I have learned. <coughs> Sarvadā constantly. There is a discussion in Gītā, says, achirena adhigacchade. So when do you gain this knowledge, uh... Nahi pavitram tatsvayam yoga kale Vindate. So there is nothing, no purifier like knowledge. Nahi pavitram This is pavitram. There is nothing that is a greater purifier than knowledge. Because knowledge burns all impurities. Because impurity is nothing but ignorance. Ignorance and all the different notions born of ignorance alone are impurity. And therefore, knowledge effectively burns them. So, that's swayam. How do you gain that knowledge? Swayam yoga Siddha. So, one is established in yoga. One is established in this yoga of the form of vichara. Kalena atmani vindati. When you perform this vichara, kalena in time, atmani in the buddhi vindati, you come to know the truth within your mind. So, kalena in time. The question is, when will you come to know? How long do you have to do that? There is no answer to the question, how long? You just keep on doing it, that's all. So how long should we keep on listening to scripture? How many years some people get fed up with this, you know? How many years now? Well, so why is this question, you know? What happens to you when you do this? When you are listening, when you are reflecting, when you are thinking about it, what happens? You become sad or what? When you listen that you are limitless, you are beautiful, you are fine, you are happy. Suppose you are told, I become." Some people seem to become sad when they hear these or what. So, how should I? How long should I keep on eating this ice cream? What does it matter? You know, that's never a question. Because if given the choice, perhaps you'll we'll do it for the whole day. You know, how long now should I keep on eating chocolate? That question can be, if eating chocolate is, you know, you can ask this question, how long do I have to take this medicine? That is okay, because it is not something that is pleasant. You know, but there cannot be a question like, how long should I now eat this chocolate? That question cannot be. And so also, how long should I pursue this knowledge? That question cannot be. Because the very pursuit itself gives you happiness. Every day you discover something new, every day you discover, oh, this is... Some notions that I've been entertaining and taking them to be true or the real. And how I've been feeling so much suppressed and bound and, and suffocated on account of my own complexes, every day I get a release from this complex. And so it's beautiful. And so how long should I do it? That question is there, of course, if you don't enjoy what you are doing. It is true. We want our private time. What the, What is this private time? No, Swamiji, we want private time. Different from... That means what? This is not private time. That means this becomes an intellectual exercise of some kind, that I feel that I must master the scriptures, and I must go out and teach, and I must memorize, and I must... Say, Why are you bothered about this? So I, mean I cannot memorize this. What does it matter? Yeah, but I cannot talk to other people. What does it matter? Yeah, but other people are able to do it so well, you know, but I cannot do it. Right? You are not learning this for that purpose. And so, India, there are many hang-ups people had. Uh, they were always worried about what will happen when we go out of the field, you know, and how shall we do this? Why are you worried about it? Are you learning this for somebody else or for yourself? No, we are learning this, so I become a missionary and I become a pracharak. Oh, if this becomes a means for something else, then, yes, if what I am learning is a means for something else, that then I can live a comfortable life, then I, I have finished my course, and then I can live comfortably in a certain manner, So this course becomes a means for a certain kind of living, for a certain kind of life that I imagine. Well, then it's a problem because if this knowledge becomes a means for something else, and where something else does not come along, then I become frustrated. This knowledge is an end in itself, and therefore I am pursuing it for the sake of it. How long should I remain here? Why? I I won't even ask that question. I would live for the whole of my life if I am here, and I can get an exposure to this learning, I won't go anywhere. I don't mind if I have to work 18 hours a day, if 6 hours are available for this, because there cannot be any question that I can do anything better than this, because this is an end in itself. So how long? That question cannot be there. And that question is there, we have to look into ourselves. And of course, if there are some problems that I have, which deprives me of uh, of gaining the the happiness that the knowledge is to give me, look, I should address them and work with them. But the idea is that this knowledge right away burns the impurities. Not that it's some other time to like fire. It is, and so just as fire burns right away, so the knowledge burns right away the impurities. To the extent that thing becomes clear to me, then depends on my attitude. If I'm fresh with this knowledge, then every day it is new. Alone, it is never the same. <clears throat> Even though if you listen to the cassettes or if you listen to read the books, you find the same sentences are there. But it's never the same not for the speaker and not for the listener if both of them are fresh. Otherwise it becomes a tape recorder. And so if you repeat there is never a repetition always seeing. Like if a musician you know uh, gives his concert or whatever it is. Every day it is different. He doesn't repeat the same thing. Then and then he sees it improvises it for every art. And so also it is never the same. If you are and how wonderful you are, He enjoy so much. Then, that is what we are told every day, that you are limitless, you are beautiful, you are wonderful. Well, who will get tired of that? No, no, Swami but I... that makes me frustrated. Why should it make you frustrated? Because I don't see that fact. When you hear some fact, you always see. When you hear the word beauty, something has to occur in that. When you hear the word limitless, something has to occur. And so... You cannot say that you do not know the meaning of the words. They do create an impression or they do create the vision, except that you might feel that I am not able to retain it or I am not able to again reproduce it myself, whatever. But the idea is that kālena ādhis vichāra is what one must continue to pursue. And shravanam uh, mananam so nildhāsanam. It's a lifetime pursuit. Why one lifetime? Any number of lifetimes is necessary because if it gives, if I get tired of this, or if I am I'm bored of it, then of course I have to think of, now, when will this... That's what happens, we, we walk to Gangotri, some place in Himalayas. It's all enthusiasm you start, and then you have to, you have to uh, track on these mountains, and then in the beginning you enjoy the beauty all over, and then you get tired. So, then is this going to come to an end? When you're climbing up the mountain, and it keeps on going, rising up and up. Every corner you think there has just come and just come across another corner, and so on and so forth, you get tired. You get tired if that pursuit doesn't give you happiness. But is that walking itself is beautiful because you're walking among the mountains, and that you are not uh, you're not hung up with the reaching that place. But then you are available to enjoy what there is, then you find that every moment is enjoyable because it just presents before you a panoramic view. And every, every step you go up, the view becomes, you know, greater and greater. So every step you go up, it becomes more and more beautiful. So if I am not worried about what is up there, and I am willing to enjoy what is there, there is always enough in that very yatra, in that very process of going and so So here I need not worry about the end, I need not worry about anything, just keep on doing it. The illustration that we give is, when you are digging well for water, how long should I dig? Well, dig as long as necessary until water comes, that's simple as that. If you are in Rajasthan, in desert area in India, you have to dig as much as 600 feet or 800 feet. If you happen to be in your Ganges in in Rishikesh, you just dig only 25 feet, you know. And so that depends upon where the water is. There definitely water is. But somewhere it's only below 25, 25 feet below the ground, somewhere it is 200 feet below the ground, somewhere it is 300 feet, somewhere it is 600 feet, somewhere 900 feet. Somewhere 1,000 feet, water definitely is there, and therefore you have to keep on digging. When will this come to an end? You have to keep on doing until you get the water. I got fed up. I dug 50 feet. I start some other place. I dug up again 50 feet. Got fed up. Start another place, and like that you can keep on digging for the whole of your life and never get a drop of water. Instead of that, continue to pursue. Kali na Atmanivindati because water is there, and so. It has to come out today, or tomorrow. So satatam krute dhyanam mathane, satatam krite, with this mathanam, this churning, which is called dhyanam, which is called vichāra, vedānta vichāra. Satatam means sarvadā krite, which done every day, constantly it is done, for a great length of time it is done. Udita, avagati jvāla, avagati means knowledge. Avagati dwala dwala means the flame. Avagadhi jwala means the flame of knowledge, which is called the jnana agni, the, the jñānam. Jñāna-gni means the jñāna-gni, that knowledge itself is fire. So fire of knowledge or fire that is knowledge. Sarva-dākarde tatra udita jwala-rupa avagatihi jñānam vidya. And so that fire of knowledge that arises as a, as a result of this churning in the form of vichāra or shastra vichāra sarva-ajñāna-indhanam dahed. Well, indhanam of the fuel in this case, just as fire effectively burns the fuel, and so also the flame of knowledge burns effectively the fuel in the form of ignorance. Ajñānam eva-indhanam mūla-ajñānam saparikaram sa-parikaram dahati nasayati. sa saparikaram. sa-parikaram along with parivāra, along with its retinue, meaning along with all its effect. And so, agnya ignorance and all the different products of ignorance, that sense of individuality, ahankara, mamakara, likes and dislikes, and everything that is born of ignorance, all of that is destroyed in the flame of knowledge. And so, since ignorance alone is a problem, there is no other problem in life, except that I do not know the nature of truth. I do not know who I am. Not only I do not know, but then I have all the erroneous knowledge and misconceptions about who I am. And that alone has created all these complexes and all the suffering. The only thing that can remove is the knowledge of the true Self, which is parātmā, the limitless Self. And in that knowledge, to the extent that I get the clarity, to that extent some notions are removed, and to that extent I find myself free. So ajñānam eva indhanam mūla the, the ignorance which is mūlam or the root of everything this flame of knowledge burns ignorance completely along with all its effect. mumuksuhu krta bhavati one so one way is The desire to sustain, you know, desire to suffer, or desire to sustain, both must be there. I want everything comfortable, you know, I want everything in my way, then alone I can do something. There is no such thing in the world as my way. World has a way, and I have to fit in that. There is no such thing as my way, you know. You think that this is not my way, you try somewhere else, and then you find that is not your way, try something else. This fanciful mind will take you from one place to other, from United States to Coimbatore, and from there to Timbuktu, and so forth. Everywhere you will find, this is not the way I want. That's not the way I want, and you will never find your way. Whatever way you find, if you can make it your way, well, it's up to you. you cannot make it your way, you can keep on searching for a way. So, titikshu, that's Titiksha means acceptance of the situations as they are, recognizing the fact that there are always going to be unfavorable and unpleasant things wherever we are, and that we have to learn to still develop a harmony with the environment. Because, Mumukshuhu, titikshu, Mumukshuhu, because he is Because all that matters to him is his knowledge of freedom. And when freedom is very important, then all his conveniences are not very important. So what is important in my life? The comfort is important? Or what is important? If moksha is important, if freedom is important, then everything else becomes less important. When other things become important, it means that moksha or the knowledge is not really that important. Well, then we will discuss the importance of that swarajya, abhishekta. In this manner, abhishekta, one who is who is coronated swarajya. On this, he becomes the sovereign, so he is coronated in as a sovereign. Krutakrutya bhavati He becomes the one who is krutakrutya, meaning so krutam krtyam one who has done whatever is to be done in life. Meaning the total contentment, the total satisfaction that comes of having done whatever is to be done in life. <coughs> then what? Question is then what? Suppose I have done everything that needs to be done, then what? Is the question. So when the question, then what does not remain? Then alone you have done what is to be done, you know? As long as that question is, that means that still something remains to be done. Yeah, but if that question is not there, then what, you know? That question itself is not there. Meaning that you are complete, and the question of then what is not there. Then what that is, is everything. And so when everything is there, fullness is there, the question of then what is not there, because then what comes when what is now is lacking, is not satisfactory. So, Krupa-Krutya means even this question, then what, doesn't remain. itya <coughs> So, idea is this constant churning. Our mind is constantly applied to this churning. It's a fire of knowledge that arises as a result of the matanam and the churning carried out in the form of vichara. And what is vichara? shravanam mananam, vidhyasanam. It is true that shravanam, Shastra saravanam or listening to the scriptures does call for a certain frame of mind. It calls for a certain disposition. But then, if that disposition is required, and we think that we should have it, or we, we need something to do about it, well, we have to do something about that, in order that we can command a certain disposition of mind. There again Vedanta helps you, because everything is, 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 is product of ignorance, and all complexes are only out of ignorance, well, the knowledge must help you through and through. And so, this knowledge even enables us to gain the disposition, and then also enables us to carry out that vichāra, and enables us ultimately to create that fire in which ignorance and all products of ignorance are burned. It's a matter of commitment. So shraddhāvān labhate jñānam tat indriyā. What we require is shraddhā, that yes, the knowledge has to occur, that what the scriptures say is true, and that I am limitless as it is said, and that is, is something to be discovered and not to be achieved, It's something to be known, and knowledge requires a certain mind, and so, sat a total commitment on my part for the knowledge, srinitendriya, and a withdrawal from all the activities and preoccupations, and a total devotion to this, total commitment to this, at the exclusion of every other commitment. And uh, then, vichrandha, lapate one does gain knowledge. <coughs> and so it's a matter of discovering a commitment. And moment more and more commitment we discover for one thing, the commitment for other things automatically drops off. And one becomes totally committed with when there is no other goal at all. That's Vairagya. When I have no raga, no t- desire for anything else, no desire for just anything, then that mind is totally filled with just one desire and there is desire for knowledge or desire for freedom. <clears throat> and that is the right kind of an atmosphere where you strike the match and there is fire. Otherwise, it doesn't work. You know, you are seeing those lamps during the puja time, that or at the time of inauguration of these functions, you know, when public talks, etc., then these a series of seven or ten days' talks. is usually inaugurated on the first day and we invite someone, some dignitary to inaugurate that. And usually the inauguration is marked by lighting a lamp, it's a lamp of knowledge. And so this dignitary, he gets up there, and everybody's around there, and all the cameras are there, and everybody is watching there, and he strikes a match and does something that doesn't light up, another match doesn't light up. Most embarrassing situation if that is, is this lighting the lamp. Because people who make the lamp, either there is too much oil, it is too wet, it is too. all sorts of problems are there because there is moisture in there and so it doesn't light up. As long as there is moisture in that wick, so long the flame doesn't, uh, you know, flame is not generated. If necessary, then the wick must be free of moisture. That very exercise of lighting a few times, of course, eliminates that moisture ultimately and it does light. And so, that preparation becomes necessary. Moisture in the sense of dislikes and dislikes. Rāga. So vairāgya means freedom from moisture in the mind. And the mind becomes dry or prepared in this manner. Then of course you strike a match and it works. Of course we found out a nice trick about that. Take the camphor and uh, you know, coat that wick with camphor. Camphor immediately picks up the fire and immediately lights up. Well. So such techniques are also required, you know, I mean. <laughs> but then, uh, so one has to settle this account with oneself as to what one is in for and what is it one is looking for. And, uh, and that conviction has to come, of course, by one's own self. And once it comes, then there is commitment. And when there is commitment, it has to work. So shraddha brings about commitment. Commit ben- commitment brings about a discipline and our energies are all, you know, stored, or energies are all uh, reserved, or conserved rather, and they are all applied for one pursuit. Then Sarva-Agnana in dharmad the fire burns all the fuel of ignorance and the products of ignorance. <coughs> Purna madhapurna midham purna purna mudakyade purna svaya purna om shante 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 shankaram shankaracharyam keshavam badharayanam sutra bhashya vande bhagavanta punah punah ishvaro Guru Ratmeti murti bheda vibhavini go ma avyapta dehay dakshinam om cham krishna cham chamre hari om sri gurave namaha hari om